The Silly Goose Gang Podcast. Live and rolling. So we're in for episode 72 of the Silly Goose Gang Podcast. And it's a real pleasure tonight to be joined by Owen Livesey um, of Carlson Gracie Hall. So Owen, thanks very much for joining us today. No problem at all, mate. Thanks for having us, mate. Yeah, it's looking good. Just for anyone who is a regular listener, um, at the moment it's just me going solo, so it's a, it's a solo Silly Goose Gang podcast tonight. Chris is having a few technical issues, so hopefully he will appear before the end of the episode, but if not, you've got the pleasure of myself and Owen um, on this episode. So I think, uh, Owen, for yourself, we I certainly came away with you over the last sort of 18 months or so in the, the kind of grappling world with your, you know, your, your judo background and then moving into Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu particularly. So kind of going X-Men origin story, so to speak, where does the, the kind of grappling come from? Have you trained kind of since you were a kid? Is it, or is it as you got older you moved into it? Where does the, the origin of Owen the grappler appear from? No, like, uh, obviously like the main, my main part's judo. Um, that's only actually because when I was like 16, I left home to do judo full time. Um, okay. But up to that point, like from eight till 16, I was doing all three. So I was just really lucky. Like I came from a really good judo club. Um, I think that's important as well. I think it's important that your first gym's a good one. Um, I've seen a lot of people start at gyms that are not as good and then they get some bad habits built into them. By the time they cross over, it's, it's not nice, but it can be too late. Um I was lucky that the club I started at SKK in Earl's Town is a proven club. Uh, they produced cadet European champions, junior European champions, senior Olympians. So, and for a small club in Earl's Town, that's that's pretty ridiculous. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, and at the time I was I was training there. It was judo Monday, Wednesday, Friday, freestyle wrestling Tuesday, Thursday, and then we even had. Um, Aspen all jiu-jitsu in our club on a Sunday. Um, so okay. I jumped on the Brazilian jiu-jitsu session as well. So from like 8 to 15, 16, I was practicing judo, wrestling and Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And then it was only when I moved to Camberley. Oh, sorry, I went to Dartford first. I moved to Dartford first. Later on, I moved to Camberley to train judo full-time. That judo became my main focus. Um but then a few years into being in Camberley, Carlson Gracie Farnborough started using our venue. So I started okay. training jiu-jitsu with them as well. So then I was training judo full-time. All the judo lads had cross-trained with the jiu-jitsu lads. Uh, again, we were lucky because the Carlson Gracie lads' style was perfect for a judo player crossing over as it's real heavy pressure style. So we were took to that really well. Did a couple of jiu-jitsu comps here and there, but judo was the focus. And yeah, uh, when I left Cambly, I moved to Wool and there wasn't really much going on in all, so I just started my own place. Nice, nice. So it's been a, a kind of long, ongoing process then. And obviously you're talking about the, the judo, and just for anyone that isn't aware, you, you've had a, I would say, a massively successful career in judo. Would you, would you kind of agree with that in the, the, the level that you got to? Yeah, like all in all, my judo career, I've managed to become British champion six times. Uh, got 10 World Cup medals I was Commonwealth Games champion when it was in Scotland actually when it was in Glasgow yeah uh, so it was good yeah I, I can't see it as 
being as good as I wanted it to be. Um, I wanted to qualify for the games, and I, I slipped out of that at the last minute, which is a which is a big thing, really. Looking back, but other than that, mate, yeah, I had a pretty good judo career. Yeah, oh, definitely. Yeah, we'd seen. It's funny because our um, our head coach, kind of at the at the Goliath that we train up in Cowden Beef for the Jiu Jitsu, uh, has a very similar background to yourself, and he's he's a judo black belt, and he's now a Jiu Jitsu brown belt, John Humphreys. Um, right. so he kind of comes from a similar background, like you were saying there, that Carlson Gracie style suited your game, crossing over. Um, yeah. and that's very very similar to kind of how how John coaches as well, coming from that old school judo background a lot of um originally trained out of edinburgh um and the carnegie judo club up in dunfermline a lot of kind of british uh, guys you know trained there and, and brought that that ethos to where we train now um yeah. and I, th- I think it is it's an interesting mentality isn't it that difference between kind of the judo the old school traditional judo um and maybe the more modern jiu-jitsu style and, and the kind of crossover between the two of them yeah and that's the key with judo as well now i think like I think I was again just look at that when I started judo, it was the old school judo. Um, I think the way judo has been just liquidized now and watered down with the amount of different changes of rules every single year. That now, if you solely did judo as a kid, it wouldn't transfer to that much. It's like yeah. Grapple Club have been posting loads of me videos and stuff lately because we're doing an instructional and. Um, the instructional is going to be like judo for grappling, basically. And they put a, I did like a fireman's ver- variation. Yeah. Um, and they, they posted it the other day and they, everyone was going crazy, like this is wrestling. And yeah, it, like it, it is a wrestling technique. But for me, I genuinely learned that in judo. Like, because what the old school judo was just wrestling and gi. Like, yeah. I was a complete wrestler in a gi. Like I said earlier, when we were kids, we were training wrestling twice a week at the same time we were training judo. And all the wrestlers would cross-train and jump on the judo and vice versa. Um, so my judo style then was basically just a freestyle wrestler wearing a jacket. Um, it was just, I was changing and obviously evolving my judo to follow a rule set. Um, so like you're saying, with jiu-jitsu there, traditional jiu-jitsu now being a lot a lot of um, guard playing and that, which, again, is fine. It's something that fits, suits the rule set right now. Um, judo is the same. It's just... Uh, I think judo is a good sport still now, but nowhere near what it used to be. Yeah, I think a lot of people that have come from that, because we have that kind of continual chat with John, because he, again, he's kind of old school and talks about the rules that have changed over time, you know, certain throws that have had to be banned because, you know, the top level, you know, people like yourself that compete like Commonwealth and Olympics and World Championships were so good that it was, you know, every time you caught the throw, you were popping an elbow, you were dislocating a shoulder and boys were having to get, you know, tournaments injured. And like you're saying, they kind of changed the rule set to remove those throws. So that there wasn't the injury, but now you look back and you see them and you go, oh, that looks like, like John's taught us all the fireman's carry takedown from yeah. the judo background combined yeah. with the, the kind of freestyle wrestling. Yeah, yeah it it's always interesting. Um, uh, sorry, on, on you go. I'm sorry, I'm, I was just going to say I'm glad to finally join you guys. Sorry, <laughs> I was going to say, Chris has just jumped in there as well. Your camera's still off, Chris, but we can hear you. Is it? 
Aye, but Chris has joined. So Chris Owen, Owen, Chris, as I said at the start, Chris was having a few tech edges, so he's managed to jump in here. Aye, it's not very good when you're not very, um, I'm the lowest tech guy in the world. Um, <laughs> but uh, aye, sorry, I, I had a fucking brilliant opener and everything set up for, for, uh, for Owen. I fucking ruined it now. I'm thinking about it all week. <laughs> and uh, Well, we could still, still throw it in now if you want. You know, we've had a barber chat, but... I was going to say, the last time the last time an Englishman came to Scotland and fucked up so many locals, Mel Gibson got fucking tortured. That was going to be a big opener. And it's a fucking ruined. I was thinking about it all week, thinking about the best way to phrase it. I'm going to phrase it so it's funny. I fucking ruined it because I'm an asshole and can't figure out technology. It's Glasgow, mate. I don't know what it is about Glasgow, but if I could, if I was ever going to get put in a massive composition, answered where do you want it? I'd 1,000% pick Glasgow. I don't think I've ever actually lost in Glasgow. It's bizarre. It's well, like I just, Com- um, I just Commonwealth the- Games, GB World Cup, yeah, SGI. The next SGI has just been cancelled. I've seen you You were tagged in it on Facebook. Um, the next yeah. SGI for March, is that's not happening. It's put back, I think, till May. So um, yeah. it seems to be a happy happy hunting ground for you. Yeah, mate. It's a good show as well, to be fair. It is a good show, I'm, uh, well done. I'll get on it eventually, but uh, um, but yeah, you were killing it up, killing it up here. You were king of, king of Scotland now, I think. <laughs> <laughs> how did you? Um, how did you get him? Uh, what's the big guy called that everybody tells me I have to go and roll with? What's his name? Uh, from Mark McQueen. Mark McQueen. Yeah, that's him. Yeah. Yeah, he's good. He's good, mate. He's uh, yeah. like. You've got to you've got to consider as well. He hasn't done it that long. Mm. Um, I think he said he was only doing it like two or three years. Like obviously he's a he's a good athlete, he's a really good athlete. Um, mm. Obviously he's done all his powerlifting. He, I think someone said he was world champion powerlifting. Uh, so he's a special athlete. It's just and he's very good. Like genuinely, I think he'll do really well at heavyweights because there's not many heavyweights that I've actually moved with that move that well. Yeah, um, he's a really big lad. He's a really strong lad, and he actually moves really well. Um, but that being said, I'm not going to lose someone that's done it for three years. <laughs> I, like I, mean? I like I like that yeah. mindset. I, I'm not going to lose you. I'm just better. If I've done it for some, if it's like I'm not going to beat him at powerlifting. Yeah, you know what I mean, I'm not like. I understand, like, if someone a lot lighter than him loses to him, because he is good, he's very good, and he's a very big lad. Um, I think I'm just in that bracket where I'm just about heavy enough to be able to deal with the strength to a level. So then there's a bit more technique involved as well, and I'd, I'd like to back my technique over someone who's done it three years, or I'd be struggling. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's one of those guys where... Um... Everybody, everybody that I know has always said to me, "You have to go through to Marcus Nardini and roll with the roll with the big guy through there." Nobody wants to roll with him, and um, I've just not made it happen yet. But I'd like, to, cool. I'd like to go and have a roll about them. It'd be quite yeah. quite good fun because what normally happens is, so I'm uh, I'm six foot basically, and I'm, at the minute I'm not particularly fit, but like 105 kilos. I say not particularly fit, but that's relatively speaking, but. Um, Everybody you roll with, the, the, the few guys that I've rolled with around about 100 kilo usually have dog shit cardio. Yeah. Uh, 
So it'd be interesting to go through and, and roll with him and see who he is. Um, That's the thing as well. He's fit as well. Like yeah. we went, we went hard for ten minutes. Like it was a, it was a high pace match for ten minutes. Yeah. And he kept the pace, mate. He's fit yeah. as well. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So, what? Um. What? Uh, are you on the? Is it the Grapple Fest? Is that next month? February? Are you on yeah. that? Yeah. So twenty sixth of February. That is. I, might, I, was, I was thinking about heading down to that, actually. It looks like a good card. Um, yeah, no, it is. Yeah, there's some really good matches on it. Yeah, definitely. Have you got any more of your guys on now? We've got Jack at the moment. Like, Chris said he might try and get two of the lads on. He's got Jack Hazard on at the moment. Hmm. Uh, so, Jack will be first match of the whole card hmm. against, I think it's Jared Schaefer, who's a Daisy Fresh lad. Um, but Jack's very good. Yeah, he's really good. Like he's not been on Grapple Fest yet. Um, I've just given him his purple belt a couple of months ago, but like he's very good. Like I'd I'd, I'd back him against most blue belts. Yeah. Um, if not all blue belts, to be fair, at his weight. Um, and I I think he'll do very well at purple belt because one of his best things is probably his leg locks as well. So it'll be exciting to see him go against someone who's. Got a bit of a name and the club that they're from. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't. I don't know how, what he's have covered so far. But just looking at your your um, Instagram and stuff, uh, Owen, I like I like the look of your club. Like there's no um, there's no fucking about. It's just tough lads fucking doing hard work. You know what I mean? Yeah, like we do. We just train hard, mate. But like basically, I've come come over from Camberley, where which is a full time judo centre. So basically, all, all my idea with it was was to try and bring over how we trained at Camberley to Carlson Gracie Hull. So like, because Camberley, again, is another proven full-time centre. So the results they've had out of that place, the way they train obviously works. Um, so I've basically tried to mirror that as much as I can. But what you've got to take into mind as well is at the start, you're opening a, a club which for a lot of people is just recreational. And then in that, you're going to have an handful of people that want to be serious. Um, so we're talking now, we've been open about two months, in and out of lockdowns, but we're probably just getting there or thereabouts now where we have all our recreational lads, which is absolutely bang on, and they all come in and train, and they're still fully expected to train hard as well, whether they're competing or not. Um, and then we have the lads that are a little bit more serious that'll do the separate classes, like the competition classes that we've put in schedule now, uh, where you can push them a little bit more and look at more situational type stuff. Uh, so we're probably just about getting where we want to be. I've added loads of good coaches to it as well. Um, so now basically we've got by far the best coaching team in, in the area. I'd say there's a couple of gyms in Leeds that coaching-wise would be close, but that's an hour away from us. Uh, but whether you want to be looking at grappling or MMA at the moment, like we've got Danny Mitchell doing MMA for us now, um, who's a top, top, top MMA coach and a great bloke as well, which I think is really important. It's um, The atmosphere he gets on his sessions is perfect. All the lads yeah. love him. Uh, yeah, so it should be a good year this year. Has it been... Um, has, are these guys that you've known... For a long time doing judo, are these guys that you helped you know, MMA when you were doing judo and vice versa? 
No, mate, I didn't know any of them. So, like, no. literally, when I moved to all, it was complete clean slate. I didn't know anybody. Right. Um, I I moved over to all because I got offered a job as a wrestling coach at a rugby club. Right. Um, and I've basically got no qualifications. I just left home when I was young and trained judo full-time. Mm. So, I didn't have any other options. So, I jumped at the chance to be a wrestling coach, did that. And then I kind of struggled to adjust to living like a normal person. Um, and I just find myself working Monday to Friday. I wasn't grappling or doing any sort of training, any work, because I went to a couple of clubs and it just wasn't for me. Um, so I was basically just lifting a couple, doing a couple of weight sessions a week after work, drinking on a weekend, which wasn't good. And then I said to my missus, I said, I need to just open somewhere where I can just spar twice a week, just so I've got something to keep fit for. We did that. The classes got absolutely booming. We just opened it in like this little basement. We were getting free rent there as well. It was just a tiny little place. That got absolutely rammed. So we added a Saturday morning. That got rammed. Got a new place. Put it on every night. Every class was busy. So then now we've got a new place, which we're there for 10 years now. We've got a full-time schedule. I've managed to quit my job. So it's, it's worked out well. Living the dream. Yeah,对对对，对对对，对对对，对对对，对对对，对对对，对对对，对对对，对对对，对对对，对对对，对对对，对对对，对对对，对对对，对对对，对对对，对对对，对对对，对对对，对对对，对对对，对对对，对对对
you know, maybe they win. It's not exciting. I want to, you know, just like what you've said, man, have a fucking good scrap. End of the day, shake the guy's hand. Maybe have a pint with him afterwards, but put on shows. Have fun, and that's how the sport progresses, I think. It is, and that's how, like, nowadays it's different. It's like, it's almost got to the point where it's not, it doesn't really matter whether you win or lose. Mm. It's strange now. It's like, if you win and it's shit, no one cares. Yeah. Whereas, like, if you lose, but you threw someone off stage, it's like, fucking hell, we'll have him back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just sure. mad. So, um, yeah, so, like, I came I came from a, a, a amateur boxing background on, um, so I never got to, like, your level of judo, but I was in, like, a Scotland squad for a while. And there was so much pressure, and you were so worried about things constantly, but I fucking want to forget all that shit. And now we just going to have fun. Fuck, let's let's see what can you know what's possible. And um, it, it, you know it's quite. I don't I don't know if that's how you feel. You know after being like a strict regime with judo for so many years, being at a very high level, to now you can just go and fuck it. You know, you have, a, play, thing, a, a, a place on the squad doesn't it stay, stake anymore. It's going to have fun, and and hopefully people want to come and see you. Grab that's it. the thing for me. It's exactly that. Like I was trying to qualify for the games. Um, <laughs> I did one full Olympic cycle, um, just dropped out in the last, the very, very, very last tournament of the, of the Olympic cycle, um, dropped out of the qualification, I mean, by that. So, like, that for me was like, I've never felt anything like that. That's like a lifetime goal that you've literally trained towards for mm. 10 to 15 years. And from January to... June, June, July, you've got it. Like in your head, you're just thinking, fucking hell, get to July now and we'll start prepping for the games and we've done it. We can just go absolutely mental then and it's all to gain. Mm. And when, that's get, when that gets took away from you in the last tournaments and you sat in the crowd watching the lad storm through the pool that needs to win to knock you out and he does it. When you feel that then, for me, it's like, Mate, if I go to Paris now, I don't care if if I lose at Paris. So it's like, but in a way, that's making me perform better, weirdly, yeah. because I'll yeah. try yeah. stuff that yeah. is high risk because I'm, yeah. I'm not bothered. And if it comes off, it comes off. And if it fails, yeah. it fails. But yeah. at the moment, it just seems to be coming off more than it is failing. Yeah, yeah, yeah we so had... That's... um. We had Brandon McGaffron, a, a jiu-jitsu black belt from 10th Planet on very early episode. And he said, you know, talking about losing matches, he said in an ideal world, if you're sort of preparing an athlete to the top level, he wants them to go through four stages or, or four kind of wins and losses. A win when you've done everything right, your preparation's been right, your conditioning's been right, your strategy's been right, and you win. He says he also wants his athletes to win when the preparation has been poor. So, you know, they've not prepped right, they've maybe not eaten right, and, and they've still ended up winning. He says he also wants to see them lose when their preparation has been perfect to kind of give that lesson. He says, and then the fourth one is lose when they've not done what they should have. So he can, as a coach, say, you know, you, you, know, you fucked up there. And he says, yeah. if you go through all four of them in your development on the way up, by the time you get to the top, kind of like you were saying, they're on, any losses after that or anything else that happens, you've already hit all those points where it's not really that big a deal anymore. It's, it is what it is. Yeah. We've all lost fights. We've all tapped. It is what it is. And it, mate, it's a funny, it's a funny thing as well. Cause it's like, what, what is 
what is like good preparation? Like, are we going like by sports science preparation or what? Because like, I've I know for a fact I've had fantastic preparation going by the terms of what preparation is meant to be, and I've fought terrible. Yeah. And then I know for a fact, not many people tell you, but I know for a fact, before my first British title that I won on a Saturday, I know for a fact the Saturday before that, I was sat under a McDonald's drive through pissed out on my head, eating a bag of chips. <laughs> and still, still fought phenomenal the weekend after. So it's like... It, you've got to nail that as well. People have got to find what's best for them. Like I've got mates, like I've got mates who I've competed with who they do everything wrong. They do all the diet wrong. They get down to weight the wrong way. But when it's time to go, they go. Yeah. Whereas I've got other mates who yeah. they do everything by the book. They nail it. They get the weight perfect. But then their ass falls out on competition day. So it's like. It's all about the day. It's like, it's, it's a tough thing though. You've got to just kind of learn your lessons through feeling good, feeling shit and working out what you did to feel good that day. And yeah. it takes a lot of time to do that though. You can only do it by doing it. It's, yeah, uh, 100%. Funnily enough, my uh, my best boxing performance ever was um, a horrendous weight cut. Uh, you had to weigh in on a Saturday and then they said, it used to be that you'd wait on a Saturday, that was you waiting for the weekend, and then they changed the rules to say, you have to wait in again tomorrow, and I'd already eaten fucking loads of nice food, drank loads of water, and then it was like four and a half kilos overweight, and then had to go home that night, fucking get black bags on, and just run, woke up in the morning, just made weight, and just sitting, and just sitting by the scales, just drawn in, going, what the fuck, and then drank loads of food, and the best performance I ever put on, and it doesn't make sense. That no, it was... <laughs> uh, yeah. <clears throat> so, were you in the the Olympic cycle? Was that for real? Was that with twenty sixteen? Yeah, mate, it was for real. Yeah. Right, okay. That's um. Yeah, that kind of yeah, that must suck. But then, what when like what, what was it? I don't know. You obviously talked about this early on, but what was the changeover point? When did you start doing jiu-jitsu and and ditch judo? Yeah. Um... Well, I only actually stopped judo two years ago. Right. Um, I've just done jiu-jitsu all the way through, though. So I was saying before, I was just lucky when I first started that my judo club had, like, cross-trained with a wrestling club and a jiu-jitsu club at the same time. Mm. So from very young, like eight onwards, eight to about 15, 16, I was doing judo Monday, Wednesday, Friday, wrestling Tuesday, Thursday, and jiu-jitsu on a Sunday. Right. Um, and then when I moved away... It was just judo for a few years. But then eventually, Calcium Gracie Farnborough came into where I was actually living. So we'd live and train in the same place. Like, not far off what Daisy Fresh have got really popular for now. Uh, Cambly have been doing that for, like, 50 years. Um, they're just not documented. It. Mm. Um, so Calcium Gracie started sharing our gym. So we were just we just got made to do it. Like at the time, I'll be honest, at the time our coach said, lads, you're going on a jujitsu session. And jujitsu weren't like it is now. It weren't really popular. No one even knew what it was. So I looked at it and it was just like 10 blokes on the mat. And I was just all of us were just like, fuck this, this is shocking. And we were like, we just pop in like halfway through a session. Except what they used to do was 45 minutes technique, 45 minutes sparring. 
So now I look back and I just think, you're a fucking bunch of idiots because we just walk in 45 minutes late just so we could spar. Uh, <laughs> and the more we got to know the lads and actually realised actually, this could actually fucking help our judo and crossover, we started doing the technique as well. Um, yeah. Yeah, what's actually quite interesting is something I had seen um, last week, actually, and it ties in with what you were saying with, with the rugby guys. <clears throat> As I've seen, Anthony Joshua was doing some uh, some some wrestling stuff. You know, he was kind of learning, and it, you know, he was he was kind of underhooking and trying to move people around about. And the, he's obviously realised that there's some fucking benefit to, to doing this stuff to learn how to to underhook or overhook and, and turn a man and and, and kind of tie up properly. Um, it was interesting yeah. to see him doing that. Yeah, it is, mate. It's like we have the Whole FC Super League Club coming into our gym twice a week at the moment. Because mm. even them lads, them lads, there's get, gains in it for that, like both physically and technically. Like for them lads, they want to slow people down on the floor, so they're slowing down the rock and slowing down the play of the wall. Um, so they're looking at technique for that. But then at the same time, it's like for rugby lads, they're they're like, oh, we're going to do loads of running. So we'll practice running and we'll get really fit for running. But then they come to a game, they run 10 metres and then they wrestle. And they run 10 metres and then they wrestle. So yeah, it's 10k or so over 80 minutes. But it's 10k with a contact every 10 minutes, 10 metres with a wrestle. So if they're not conditioned to wrestle as well, they're fucked. So there's a crossover for all the sports yeah. I think we can all like I still do MMA striking now even though I'm not really planning on fighting for the condition because you can almost because I get because I've grappled for so long I almost know where I can rest yeah so I know for a fact without even being conscious of it if I'm tired and I'm in a certain position I know I'm I'm going to have a couple of seconds here and have a breather whereas because striking I'm nowhere near as comfortable with that. When I'm hitting pads, I'm fucked. So it's like, I'd rather use that for cardio personally for me than running around and butchering my knees, which I've already smashed. That's funny because when I was speaking to, to Harris at Runs Our Gym, um, we were talking about, you know, he was he, he had come to train when I was seven, it was a half sex class. And um, he was like, oh, fucking knackered, just not doing this so much. I've been doing loads of striking. And I was saying, the opposite of what you've just said is like, you know, even now I could go and spar you know, five rounds of boxing quite easily because I know exactly when to rest. Yeah. I could, I, could, I could rest. I can go for a little walk here and get five seconds and then step back into range and start fighting again. But as jiu-jitsu, I'm not at that stage yet. I don't, I don't know how to do it yet. So it's quite interesting, actually. Um, but it's, it's, you know, if you're smart, I suppose you'll get, get your rest anywhere. Um, yeah. But I'm not, I'm not very smart. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think you're. Uh, are you are you coming up to to do a seminar at Jim? I think you are, aren't you? Yeah, uh, I think it's April, mate. Is Top it of April? I think it's April. Yeah. Oh, cool. Is there anything? Is there any shows? Are you coming up to fight up here? Or is it just no, no. I've just not really got much on in April. So, um, what's the name again? The bloke who runs hey, Goliath the Harris, Stephen Harris. Harris. Yeah. So he's messaged me and just asked. So. The best month for me, really. Obviously, Grapple Fest is in February, and it's probably likely I'll be on Polaris again in March. So April's a bit of a free-ish month before I'm going to do ADCC trials in May as well. Okay. So, yeah, so it's a good month for me to come on. Awesome. Yeah, we'll look forward yeah. to that. What, what, 
what's interesting is Goliath followed a similar kind of path to the one you were describing on because I started at Goliath what four and a half years ago and we basically rented a space in a dance studio and threw the mats down there was a little matted area for the the dancers to do like they wrote the acrobatic stuff so if they fell it wasn't on the dance floor it was on the kind of you know padded mats and then we got our first unit and then we added a second unit and now we've got the big massive like you were saying earlier the big massive gym i'm sure harris said it's something like twelve and a half thousand square feet or something ridiculous like that um across the two units so it's huge isn't it it's massive Uh, full-size competition cage massive matted area and a a full strength and conditioning unit and it's been nice to see it probably similar to yourself with your club to see it progress on through you know the stages from a small club of half a dozen regulars to now there's like say today there was like 50 Two fifty-four boys on the mats for seminars. Eh? Quality, mate. Can I just one second, lads? This is a rookie mistake. But can I just run and grab my phone, charge before my phone cuts off? Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Ah, you go and grab it, mate. No worries. You go and grab it. Just while we're waiting on Owen coming back in, Chris, I don't know if you've got a chance. Your camera is still off at the moment. You're not appearing on screen, but it's good, man. we can obviously hear you fine. I'm as ugly as shit, so it doesn't really matter. No, um, no, it doesn't matter. But it's nice for the YouTube if we punch it out to YouTube if your camera I, is working. It's saying it is working, but I don't want to touch anything okay. now because Nah, just leave it. It might it might it might be one of these ones where I pull it when I pull the recording off the cloud it comes up, but I can't I, we've just got the box with your you name shown in it, but it's all good. You know what the problem was? Is I put a, What was the problem? I put the Ethernet cable in and that was uh-huh. stopping me that was stopping me connecting. It's the only thing that I've changed. As I hadn't done it before, ah. Ethernet cable into the Wi-Fi booster outside. Once I unplugged that, connected no problem. So I've connected no, no problem. I wonder if it's a, I wonder if it's a firewall thing then. I wonder if your Ethernet's got like a block and a firewall and preventing it. Oh, you've just suddenly appeared on camera and now it's catching up. How weird is that? I'm so back. You're on camera now, and I can see you in your in your uh, summer house. It literally did about you know like a time lapse for the yeah. last like three minutes. You you were just totally like, <laughs> just going absolutely crazy. Oh, cool. Um, as as it went on, but I can now see you on camera in your lovely new location. Um, so hopefully it'll all in the background on the cloud. It should have all pulled together. Eh? So oh, yeah. that was all good. It's all good. What a fuck up! What a fuck up of a recording so far. That's all good. That's all good. Uh, We're delighted with it all. I'm glad I figured it out eventually. Um, yeah, that's all working good. It's all working good. And we can see you on camera as well now, Chris, which is always important. Debatable. I think Owen's back in as well. Sorry about that, lads. That's all right. Not at all. All right, it's been one of those one of those where I've fucked up to begin with, so it's um, <laughs> all good. We we'll get there in the end. Um, yeah, so what's uh you know what's what's the what's the, the like the protocol with like ADCC trials? Do you can anybody enter that, or do you have to is that an invite thing? Yeah, it was like bizarre because obviously I've never done that before. But um, it's just you just sign up on a website right. for like a tournament. So big, I don't think it was like that. But you literally just rock up and sign up on a website. It's um, and even while you pay, I remember paying and. It was um, on this website. You just send money <laughs> to the Polish owner. So it's a very, um, it's a proper, it's a proper dodgy. It's dodgy how it's done. To be fair, yeah. Um, but yeah, because <laughs> I entered, I entered the 
initial one that's just gone. Um, yeah. In Poland. But then my missus' due date was at the same time, mm. um, which meant... Oh, possibly just froze there as he plugged in. No, so... There we go. Yeah, no, we've got you back there. You yeah. just disappeared for a second there. Oh, That's right. you back on. Yeah, it definitely sounds it sounds a bit dodgy, doesn't it? Just sign up on a website and send me money and then you get to go to the trials. But I yeah. suppose if you're going to, you know, if anyone's going to turn up randomly and someone, you know, they think we're going to do dodgy things to these people that we've convinced to turn up and then a whole load of people turn up that look like you. The people are going to go, oh, maybe we'll not mess about, you know. I think this man might be able to hurt us looking at him. You know, anyone that's got cauliflower ears, there's always that threat of they could do bad things to us. So I suppose there's that positive. It's not like a, you know, you're not like a 14-year-old girl going to a modelling assignment somewhere. <laughs> yeah, mate, I've been in some dodgy situations with you anyway, so it wouldn't be a first. What's, um, what was funny about uh, being in Amsterdam for, for Naga? Was uh, so I competed sub. I think it's heavyweight. I think it's sub 100. And then you get super heavyweight and ultra heavyweight. And some of those super and ultra heavyweight Eastern Europeans were fucking enormous. Yeah. If I stood next to you, it's like fucking a dad out with his kid. Fucking hell, absolutely yeah. enormous. And they just look like nutcases. You just look at them and go, I'm fucking fighting out. Yeah. There's some fucking athletes over there, mate. For sure. I think I've told. I think I've said this before, but um, uh, I remember speaking to to Big Ross Henderson, was a super heavyweight in Scotland, boxer, and uh, Ross was six six, and at his, you know, when he went to Glasgow, he was 115 kilos, a six pack. He was, you know, he was in awesome shape. I remember speaking to his coach, uh, Frank Delaney, and Frank, you know, I was saying, I mean, how's Ross getting on? It's like really good. He's been as coming along nicely but this problem he's got is he's fucking no big enough like, Fuck, what? <laughs> it's like he's going to box these Kazakhs and Azerbaijanis and he's just fucking enormous 140 kilo guys um, and I know uh, I'd spoke to I don't know if you know do you know Chris Sherrington yeah I know Chris you know, well yeah I've travelled with Chris a few times I, I spoke to um, and I know his ex-wife and uh, she used to train with the same SNC coach that I trained with and he was at a Christmas night out uh, that we were at, and he was he was saying similar thing, just like some of the guys. I'm I'm just not that big, and I'm sitting next to him going, "Fuck, do you mean fucking big, yeah. big boy?" Just the monsters, man. He wasn't big enough at 130 kilos. Like, yeah. all right. <laughs> there's some serious monsters, mate. There's like there's people people fighting there at sports like that. I've never even seen people like it before or after. It's just freaky to be fair, and then they can move as well. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. yeah, weird, weird thing, but um, but yeah. So, um, what's uh, what was I going to say there? I was going to say something. I fucking lost my mind. This is what happens when you get punched too much, mate. Don't do MMA. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, what the fuck was I going to say? Ali, you're going to have to ask a question there. Well, I forgot. I'll jump in. I was just just on that point of those big athletes. I always think that's the scariest point because I'm a. Uh, Prior to jiu-jitsu, I actually played a lot of American football and spent a season with the Scottish Claymores in NFL Europe. And they used to send across the American guys that were kind of breaking through into the NFL. And boys that were like 6'4", you know, that 120, 130 kilo, but they were running like 11 second 100 metre repeats. 
And it's just scary seeing someone that big and that athletic. Do you know what I mean? That you don't yeah. see that in in the normal. But you'll be again some of those boys that train out of Hull, um, you know, the rugby league players. They're in a similar shape. You know, guys that are six three, six four, eighteen, nineteen stone. You know, back in the day that would have been a a big second row lock, and now they're out on the wing running at six four and sixteen stone, seventeen yeah. stone. It's terrifying how you know strength and conditioning, nutrition supplementation of any type um has, has brought uh, you know these bigger natural or i was gonna say natural but these bigger athletes into a whole variety of sports and you must have seen that in judo and and the grappling over the years oh mate some honestly like judo doesn't have a great name in britain but honestly mate it was like i was talking to someone else doing a podcast not long ago and they're like, how are you finding fighting these lads on, like, obviously grappling's predominantly on the floor. And I was just like, mate, I haven't fought anyone in jiu-jitsu yet to this day. I'm sure that might change, but to this day, as good as some of the judo lads on the floor that have fought abroad, like, it's different in other countries than it is in Britain. Like, Judo in Russia, Georgia, Japan. It's their national sport, mate. And it's like, they're not just throwing you. Like, the, the groundwork's relentless. And it's a, it's a different groundwork as well to jiu-jitsu. It's, um, judo transitions are fast, so it's a lot, lot more physical. And because basically, if, you, if you're in a position in judo and you don't finish or you don't look like you're going to finish, they're just going to stand you back up. So all your transitions have got to be ten times faster. Basically, there's no there's no rolling aspect to judo groundwork. So they're a lot quicker with things and a lot more physical with things. Um, so some of the athletes that I've I've competed against, some of the athletes I've trained with on camps now and that, that time and time again, there's some ridiculous athletes, mate. Mm. Ridiculous. All the Russians, Georgians, and that's just something else. Yeah, I know. Um... <clears throat> Uh, a, a guy that I used to box for, he was a, an Olympic judge, and he used to go to like Kazakhstan, for example. And they had not just for boxing, but they had like judo and wrestling. They had like schools full of lads who all they did was fucking fight. All yeah. they did was, was doing judo or boxing or you know, some yeah. of them sambo, some of them just constantly. And like you're saying, yeah. the kids that are not got fucking an iPhone and able to go and do TikTok videos. These are kids that have to fight. They have to do it. To yeah. It's, it's just different. Like, I've been on camps where I fought a Russian. I'll always remember this. There was a camp called, um, it's in Austria, Mittersil. So there's a camp and every year the judo lads from all around the world will start their year in Mittersil. It's a tiny little town in Austria, freezing full of snow but everyone just meets here it's bizarre really everyone around the world meets here in january every year and there's like a week-long camp two sessions a day two hours each and it's just sparring real physical way of starting the year but i always remember i fought a russian lad on there and i'd never ever and i was on the circuit then i was on the world circuit and that's when i'm trying to qualify for the game so you kind of you kind of see the same faces everywhere and there was a bunch of Russian kids there. They must have been 17, 18. Honestly, mate, I remember going on this lad and he was throwing me all over the fucking place. And I was thinking, who, who, who is this lad? Like, I've never seen him before or after. But that's, 
that's just completely normal with our standard. Like, yeah. we, I remember when I was a kid, we had um, a judo lad came over doing a seminar from Russia, and he's, if you search him up, he's unreal. His name's Vitaly Makarov. Um, if I'm right, he was world silver medalist and then Olympic champion. Or it was the other way around. He got silver in one and gold in the other. And he's now Russian national head coach. And you're talking like 10 to 15 years ago, he did a seminar at my club where I was training. And he did like a QA and a at the end. And this just basically shows the standards. So he was like, I never, ever, ever competed out of Russia until I was 21, which if you look at the British system, I was on the cadet team when I was like 14. And you're doing the European Cadet Championships at 15. And we're travelling all over the camps before that. These lads never left Russia until they were 21. And his first competition when he was 21 outside of Russia was the Junior World Championships and he just won. And it's just like the first time he stepped out of Russia, he's been named the best in the world. And he was just like, the thing is, Russia's that, that got much, that much strength and depth that you don't even need to leave Russia. It's just, mm-hmm. it's bizarre, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I know it's like, um, you know, I'm, I'm not too well versed on uh, on, on judo, Owen, but like some of their boxers, you know, you see just now like Usyk and Lomachenko and, and you know, former Soviet countries and, they're, they're, you know, both those guys, the first two boxers that I've ever watched and went, even as amateurs went, I can't, I can't do that. I can't do that. I did. What the fuck are they doing? This isn't the same thing we're doing. They're just the way that they move, it, it's just phenomenal. And and the thing is, as if you go to to like you say in Russia, almost the Soviet, the former Soviet Union, they'll have another ten guys almost as good. More than that, like, there's a million of babes. Yeah, yeah. There's a million. There's a million of babes in Russia, mate. He's just one that broke through. Yeah. He's just the one that got the limelight. He was in the right place at the right time. There's, there's a million of them, mate. Like, I went to my. I've got a mate last year. Uh, he's Georgian. So when I fought in the Tbilisi Grand Prix, we stayed at his auntie's house for two weeks and we trained at the Georgian National Centre. That's the same story. You just you fighting people, you fighting kids as well. Like I was like 22, 23 at the time. I'm fighting these like 17 year olds and they're smashing you. They're smashing you and you're just like, who the fuck is that? And then like four years later, you'll see this lad and you'll be like, oh, that's that lad. I remember fighting him. He's good, this lad. And then he's junior world champion and you're just like, fucking hell, it's just bizarre, man. Mm-hmm. When, you're at the t- when you're at that institute at the time, these lads are just cannon fodder. They're just one of 300 lads that are on the mat and no one cares about them. Yeah. But it's just that, it's that much of a brutal system. The ones that break through are just fucking unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think, um, one of the things that kind of pisses me off, you know, is when people don't understand the levels, how far they are behind, you know, the next level and how how the top level is, how insane that top level is. Use any sport. Especially fighting because it's the most brutal. I don't think, and, and I, you know, I again, like I got a very small taste of it. I, I boxed a Norwegian guy who's who's doing pretty well as a pro, and just go fucking. And he wasn't really good as an amateur. He was good, obviously, he was good, but 
you know, you think there's fucking Russians and, and Cubans and just say, fuck, man, I'm so fucked. You know when you think you're doing good and then you <laughs> take that next step and you're like, I'm shit. I'm fucking, I'm never getting to this level. It's impossible. Do you know what I mean? It's frustrating. And I don't think people realise how big a fucking chasm there is to the way they think it's that they're them, though, mate. It's, it's like, as shit as it is, there's literally only one way of getting to that level and it's just not having a life. Yeah. You, it is, yeah. like, yeah. realistically, if everyone's going to be realistic, like, if you're a realistic coach and you and one of your players come up to you and they're like, right, I want to get to that top, top level. If you're going to say to him, I can take you nine times out of ten, you're talking shit if you're saying you can do that on your own. Like, there's a, there's a different sort of thing that someone needs to get there. Like, they've got to be travelling all over the place. They've got to be super selfish. Like, they can't have a job. They can't do what their other mates want to do. And there's only like a select handful that can truthfully sit there and say, I'm up for doing that. Because it's not enjoyable. Like, yeah. 90% of the stuff I did with judo, it was terrible. We were just sleeping in budget hotels every two weekends. Like, just so we could train at a like, fantastic institute and get absolutely battered every day. Just so then when you come to the UK, you're seen as good. And in your head, I'm thinking, I'm not fucking good. I've just been battered for two weeks. I'm good here. But I'm not good in the in the wide, the proper scheme of things. Like, there's much more to it than people see. And it's, yeah. it's hard to... Um, you, you just got to have no life to ever even think about getting towards that sort of level. It's just, it's not doable if you, you're basically yeah. doing everything else that you want to do. And, you know, I had maybe two years like that when I was, everything was about boxing. It was a, a you know, it was a, an outside chance that maybe I could have got to, to Glasgow as well. I was kind of number two at the time. And then, um, like you see, I, I was older, so a lot of the younger lads were still living my mom and da- with their mum and dads, and they were able to not do anything. I had a job because I was older. But it's like nothing. Or you somebody's birthday party, you're not going. Why? Because you've got a fucking a squad session on the Sunday morning. Are you already fucked? Cool. And on top of that, you know, I don't know how it was with judo, but with boxing, they, they wanted you to be within 5% of your fight weight. So then you're looking, oh, fuck, man, I fucking can't really have anything to eat. And you were constantly obsessed with weight. That was only like two years, maybe 18 months. And they were like, this is fucking awful. This is not, this is, it went from being really good fun to being like, it's shit. I don't want to do this anymore. It's shit. It's you know, just, that, that, was a, that was nowhere near where you were with judo, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, you just gotta, you just got to be doing it for the right reasons. That's why I always yeah. say to people, like, if you want to do it, you've got to do it for the right reasons. Like, don't do it to be fucking popular on Instagram because yeah. you're going to go through a lot of shit. So if it doesn't mean that much to you, don't fucking start it because before you know it, you're going to be sat in China in a shithole hotel with a fucking building site in your reception yeah. and eating shit foods, fucking your ass is going to be bleeding because your diet's been that bad that week. And you're going to be thinking, why the fuck am I doing this? Yeah. That, that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I know I'm glad saying. you clarified your arse was bleeding from the diet and not because it's like a really, really, really rough hotel and you're having to... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's honestly, if, I, if I went into that China trip, mate, fucking hell. 
I know some of the lads told us about Delhi and um, in 2010. I was just like, fuck's sake. It was horrendous. Delhi so bad. Really bad. Um, but yeah, the joys of being an athlete. Everybody thinks it's all uh, guts and glamour. <laughs> Far from it, man. Far from it, yeah. So <laughs> what, um, what's, what's, the, what's the plans moving forward on? What's your eventual, you know, are you looking at EBI? Are you looking at ADCC? What's the, the, the number one thing? I mean, number one things, my gym. Mm. Um, that's that's what's allowing me to do what I do. Um, now that I've quit all my other work and stuff for the gym, that's my main income. Um, my number one thing by far is just developing a absolutely phenomenal team in jiu-jitsu, grappling and MMA. Um, we're in a really big sitter, which is a working class sitter. So we're getting some really good men and women coming into the gym. We were all very game and just need the right guidance. Um, we've put we've put very, very, very good coaches in every area, basically. Um, so I just teach no-gi grappling, judo and wrestling. We've got Dan Pinch, who teaches the gi. He's very good. We've got Danny Mitchell doing the MMA. We've got Liam Dunn doing the MMA as well. We've got Mick doing the boxing. We've got Jace Broadhead doing leg locks. Like, I've covered every single area for the lads and the girls. Um, and basically just said, you've got what you need now. If you actually want to do it, you just got to fucking turn up. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, for me, it's build... Number one is by far build the best team I can. Um, in terms of my own goals, I'll be training with that competition squad all the time. So I'll teach, basically I'm teaching, I teach every morning, I teach more or less every night, but I've put separate competition classes on as well. So as well as the lads and the girls in that competition class all training, I'll be training on that as well. So that'll be more like advanced drills and situational with less teaching. Um, so my personal goals after the gym would, like top of the list is to enjoy it. Um, I've competed for that long. If I stop enjoying it, I'll stop competing. It's that yeah. simple. Um, and then I've not put a name on anything that I want to do. I just solely want to keep enjoying it, putting on good matches and see where that goes. Like I want to get myself the biggest matches possible because uh, I think there's a lot of very, very good people out there, but there's a lot of very good people out there that I could definitely beat. Um, I don't think I have a normal jiu-jitsu style. So there's yeah, some very, sense. very, very phenomenal lads in jiu-jitsu, but, and they've definitely got better jiu-jitsu than me, but I'm not really doing jiu-jitsu. It's like a mad mix of judo, wrestling and jiu-jitsu all together. So I think that can cause a lot of problems for a, a lot of good people. And like I've said already, if it doesn't, It'll be it'll still be fucking good to watch. So that, that's it, really. Is that what you think? Um, is that what you think? Jiu-Jitsu may end up is may end up more of a, a blend of, you know, how MMA has now become. You know, there's no real specialist anymore. It's a blend of everything. Do you think there's going to be a blend of wrestling, judo, and, and jiu-jitsu into grappling? From like a biased point of view, I hope it is. Um, but I just think, like, like I said, it's completely biased, but I just think it's, com like, it would be much better to watch. Like, mm. at the end of the day, for me, 
this is only my opinion. I think for the sport to grow worldwide, it's got to be good to watch. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. there's only one reason judo, hardly anyone knows what it is in the UK now, and that's because it's been watered down with different rules that much. That if you tune into the Olympic Games, which is meant, which is the biggest event of the year for judo, if you tune into that and you don't know what judo is, you haven't got a clue what's going on. And it's like it's that tactical now. Hardly anyone's getting thrown anymore. Everyone's winning on penalties, so it's not good to watch. So like, I think jujitsu at the moment's like there's so many people just pulling guard and refusing to move off their ass, and it's like. I'm definitely not against pulling guard either because it is jujitsu at the end of the day and like the guard is a huge part of the game. But a lot of these lads are like, they refuse to do the other half of it and they go, oh, well, it's jujitsu. Just because it's jujitsu doesn't mean you don't do the other half. Like, I, if it meant a guard puller would stand up for four minutes, I'd happily start on my ass for the second four minutes. Mm. You know what I mean, I think it's got to be like a complete, it's a complete game. Like I think the way it's going at the moment for a lot of people is they put all the time and effort on to doing things off the back. Mm. But if you pass the guard, they're fucked half of them. Yeah. You know what I mean, yeah. if you ask them to stand up, they'd be fucked. It's like it's like judo. You set leg grabs out of judo. It doesn't really transfer to anything. If you can only do things off your back, you're fucked if it goes anywhere else. So for me, it's like, I just like teaching it as a whole. So if you're a bloke and you're in a situation, you can text someone down, you can stay on top, you can, if you're doing MMA, you can strike, you can submit them. If you end up on the bottom, you can submit them also, or you can get back up. I just think it's got to be practised as a whole. And people, I don't know, like, it's hard to do though, because... Whatever yeah. rules that you put in, people always find a way around the rules. So it's um, on the um, bad. on the other side of that though, Owen um, is <laughs> like <laughs> the, the, the Naga final. Um, I wrestled a big fucking German wrestler. Uh, sorry, I had a big German wrestler, and uh, being a fucking dickhead and having an ego, I decided I was going to try and wrestle a wrestler. Uh, whilst wrestling's the weakest part of my game, and what happened was I got fucking ragdolled. So, <laughs> what I should have done was build guard and work from the bottom. So, it is, but it's like it's one of them, it's like, but that that's jujitsu for me, as in, like, if you get taken down, then you should be able to do some off your back. Like, yeah. I'm not like, I am not the best wrestler in the world, that's a 1000% fact. There's mm. 10,000 people out there got much better stand-up than me. Um, like, Polaris Ronabal putting me against that issue, who's got yeah. for not, like much better judo than me. Like, he's Olympic judo champion. But I wouldn't fucking pull guard against him, though. Like, I'm 100% standing up. And if he sends me flying, that's fantastic. And it, we're in the scramble and we're fighting still. It's like, I think, that's jujitsu. Like, if you get taken down, then it, it's not stopping. It's not judo where if I throw you, it's game over. It's hip on and we're done. I throw you. I'm still, I'm landing on top of you. I'm still going. It's, um, yeah, I, I think it's got to be like, uh, practiced as, as a whole, but it, yeah, it's hard when 
if half of these matches in tournaments are five minutes, if someone pulls guard in front of you because they don't want to stand up, it can take you five minutes to pass someone's guard who's got a good guard. Yeah. So it, yeah. it can be very hard. See, I've, I've watched um, you know, a few SGIs and they'll, they'll throw in a, a gi match and it's just like, what the fuck? It's just, it's just watching people doing very little, you know, trying to, trying to strip collars and stuff. You think, oh, is this really what... You know, it's, it's got its place, you know, the, the sort of traditional side, but like you're saying, you know, you want to watch exciting fights. That's the thing. No, imagine if you were thinking about doing jujitsu and you tuned in to telly, it was on telly, yeah. and you watched a match like that. Mm. You'd be like, fuck that, I'm not doing that. There's two lads in pajamas, fucking. So uh, I understand the it, it, it doesn't, uh, you know, you know, we don't, we do train the gi, but, you know, me and Ali both don't, don't enjoy it. It's fucking like, I'm doing this because I feel like I have to do it. Um, yeah. Don't, don't like it. Just, it's slow and boring. Um, it's weird though, isn't it? Again, it's like the style though, because yeah. if you go back to the last Polaris and you watch Tommy Langacker and that fat ninja, it was fucking phenomenal. Yeah. That's one of the best matches I've seen, and that was in the gi. So it's yeah. just yeah. I just think people make make it how it is. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think it's like that, yeah, so it's like matches. like you say it's the rule set and the points. That's it. It's, comes down to people's tactics and how they're thinking. Like I think a lot of people, like we said before, I think a lot of people go out to win. And if you're going out to win, it can be a very, very boring match. I think if people went out with a mentality of, I'm just gonna make these want me back on this show, yeah, you'd get a lot more matches. Like I was talking to Danny Mitchell about it last night and he had some interesting things that he's seen in the past. Have, have you, do you know who Danny is? I know the name. I've heard the name, but I don't, yeah, I don't he's, know. Him. He's got an outrageous amount of fucking experience, mate. He's just, it's ridiculous. So he's, he'd be good to get on here. He'd talk to you all night or whatever you want. And he's fucking mental. Um, but he had, he was on about things that he's watched where it was a boxing match and they put like 10 grand. You wouldn't have to do it with 10 grand, but they put like 10 grand and then they put a clock underneath it, and every like something like every minute of a match, a thousand dollars came off it. And it's a ten-minute match, so if 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 you were fighting and you knocked me out in three minutes, you'd have got seven grand. So it made oh, okay. people go fucking insane because if they went if they went ten minutes, they got nothing. So it was like if you did something like that for grappling, if you were, and even for things like three hundred quid. Like these shows have money. If you said, right, we're not paying anybody to come and compete, but we're going to put this show on. It's a 10-minute match. It's 300 quid. And then I can't do the match, but you take something off every minute until there's nothing at the end. Yeah. And whatever you get is when you submit them, that's what's left on there. Something like that are just force good matches because everyone wants the money. What I'm, what yeah. I'm hearing is uh, you setting up your own your own league and fucking making this happen. Oh mate, I'm not I'm not good enough with the tech side and all that shit, mate. <laughs> it sounds like you know what? And, and you know what I like? As I like when people you know like yourself, like a high level guy who's who who wants to improve and wants to innovate and actually thinks about how can we make this a better spectacle. And I think it's important, really important for guys to do that rather than just going, 
you know, I don't know how judo is, but, you know, boxing was always, you no, know, this is how we do it, and this is how we've always done it, and this is how we're always going to do it. Yeah. I like to hear people, you know, like you saying, maybe we could, could do this or this or implement a little bit from judo or maybe a little bit from MMA. And it's, how do we make yeah. that? I just come here, I genuinely just wanted it to be, like, as good as possible to watch, like... You want to see our white belt competition at Carlton Gracie? It's all fucking ridiculous, mate. Like if you live stream that and people watched it once, I guarantee five years on, everyone will be watching it. Because all it is, is we had 48 white belts in it this, this year. Well, end of 2021, we do it every December. Every one of them is completely going absolutely mental like a white belt does. But we put absolutely zero rules on it. So we put no rules on it whatsoever. And everyone has to start stood up. So just bodies flying all over the fucking place, man. There's nothing better to watch. Yeah. We we were talking about that, how you how you ran that one with uh, cause it was the, the basically the winner of the tournament got the their blue belt, didn't they? Yeah, and it's well earned, mate, because they beat. Yeah. I think the winner this year had nine matches, ten matches against people of his own level. And he's had, to, he's had to beat them all, basically. So it's well, nine wins. I don't think there's a better way you could earn it. So I do really like, uh, I don't know what every, every club's doing, but I, you know, I really like what you guys are doing. I, you know, um, I think uh, if, if I ever get my finger out and get a, a match at SGI, I'd come down and, and do a weekend with you guys and get fucked up. <laughs> yeah, mate, mate, you'd love it because it's just, it's, it's, Pretty open though, mate. It's like all the lads all, and all the girls sound. There's, yeah. there's no, there's no politics whatsoever. It's just That's the most important thing in the gym. Yeah, it's just it's hard training. Whether you want to compete or not, it's still hard. You yeah. can rest whenever you want, especially if you if you're not competing. We are. But uh, everyone's treated the same. I don't give a fuck if you've won loads or yeah. it's your first day at the gym. I genuinely don't care. It's like. Everyone still treats everyone with respect. There's no, I'm above you, so I'm going to talk to you like shit. It's just, it's a, it's a phenomenal atmosphere, mate, to be fair. Yeah. That's, um, that's a problem in a, in a few gyms. You know, people start getting a little arsey because they think they're better, or, you know, they've won a match or they've got something and then they start looking down. Mate, I was rolling, I was rolling somewhere a while ago. I won't say where it was, but I'm rolling a while ago and someone bumped into us. So we were sparring. Someone bumped into us. It happens at Argym every fucking week because that many on the mat. Yeah. And the bloke I'm rolling with goes, um, oh, they just don't respect the belt. And I was just like, the fuck are you on about? Like, they don't respect the belt. It's like, the bloke's worked nine to five. Yeah. And he's come in to get a sweat on. Do you think he gives a fuck that you've got a black belt around your waist? It's just like, it means nothing in the real world. I think people take it far too seriously sometimes. Yeah, 100%. definitely. 100%. Yeah. I think um, I remember a while ago, um, so we're under, we're under the Globetrotters, and uh, they had a T-shirt out. I think it was like, even black belts can be douchebags or something like that. A, a fucking T-shirt out, because it was a lot of, you know, they obviously have a lot of issues with black belts just being knobs for fuck off who cares you got a black belt like you're saying yeah, this guy, cool, the guy cool. in, you know mate you've been working in a factory had a shit day girlfriend's giving him shit 
kids giving them shit, or whatever. They just didn't fucking train. Don't that's it. You know, that's, that's what you kind of got to remember with a gym is people are there for different reasons. Like we've got people in gym who are there because they compete, they want to compete. We've got people who have been there because they've had a bit of trouble with people in the past and they want to get a bit more confidence and learn how to defend themselves. We've got ex-military lads who have got fucking mental issues that they need like something to relieve that and jujitsu and whatever it is we do helps with that. Um, we've got people from all different backgrounds, so it's you can't treat everyone like yeah. the same. I mean, like you can't be looking down on people because you've done something for 10 years and they've done it for six months. I mean, it's done nothing. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Well, I think uh, one, one of the cool things that we always do, um, me and Ali are kind of older guys in our little club. And it's, you, know, you just always make the new guy feel welcome. Shake everybody's hand. Out. And that's something that I've, I've done all my life is fucking shake people's hand, look them in the eye, give them a bit of respect, be nice to them. I think it makes a big difference as well. Yeah. What I what I try and do in the gym is try and know everyone's name. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Instead of going around, all right, mate, good session, pal. Nice one. Like, I think it makes a big difference if you're shaking their hand, looking them in the eye, you remember the name. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Something as small as that, I think, go a long way because you know who they are. You know what I mean? It makes them feel a little bit and part of something a little bit more here rather than just a pat on the back and oh, a good session, mate. See you after. It's uh, yeah. I think that's yeah, so much small, but yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, listen, I know we're uh, cracking on for time, I don't want to take up your yeah, your entire Saturday. Sort of kind of... Probably got better things to be doing, but um, uh, it was uh, we got there and then. Sorry, I fucked up in the beginning, but uh, no, mate, it's fine. Just just before we wind down fully on, we mentioned a few times your club, but just so if we can send some uh, people that listen your way, what's your sort of social media platforms, websites, anything you want to shout yeah. out, and I'll tag this in the show notes and the, the release as well. Yeah, the main, just the Instagram, mate, that's our main contact thing, really. Um, it's just at Carlson Gracie Hall. Cool. I think we'll add um, that into the chat. As um. Is Connor not down in Hull again? No, Connor. Yeah, Con- one, one of our pals. One uh, of our guys that used to train with us, Connor Newton, um, he'd been right. up here for a couple of years and then moved back home to Hull. Um, and yep. he trained with us for a couple of years, good little player. So if he's not along, Connor, if you're listening, get along to Owen's place. Um, oh, he's in Hull now, is it? Yeah, yeah, he's there. Yeah, yeah, he, he, from there originally, they moved up here for work and then with furlough and stuff, his job had kind of disappeared up here, so he'd gone back down the hall probably about a year ago now, maybe. Yeah. Um, and he was, he was a good little, yeah, he was really committed. He did a bit of MMA, trained with us a lot of the jiu-jitsu, kind of heading up towards getting his blue belt. And I can't remember, I don't think he ever got his blue belt just because of the lockdown, but he would have been a blue belt had there not been a lockdown. Um, and he's back down in Hull, so definitely get him a... Uh, you better be listening, number one. <laughs> and number well, uh, two, if he is listening, get along to your club, mate. And uh yeah, we'll 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 see you when you come up in, in April. Hopefully we don't get any fucking more lockdowns or any of that shit and uh we'll get uh, we'll get some get some training done, mate. Yeah, mate, that's what look forward to it, lads. Yeah, we'll look forward awesome. to that. So um 
Cool, man. Right, well, we'll we'll uh, we'll let you crack on your Saturday night, and uh, we'll uh, we'll speak to you speak to you soon. Spot on, Absolutely. mate. Thanks, Owen. It was a pleasure getting a chance to talk to you, mate. Thanks very much. And that's the end of episode seventy-two, the Silly Goose Game podcast with Owen Livesey. Silly Goose Gang Podcast.